This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producers are Patrick Antonetti and Sean Cherry. Today, a roundtable on Super Bowl viewership with uh, two guests who have been on this podcast uh, many times before. Sports Business Daily media writer John Olrand is one of the guests, one of the most frequent guests of this podcast, and he is feeling very good this morning. He has just broken a big NBC Olympics story, so we have him fresh off uh, his news-breaking acumen. He's joined by his colleague, Austin Karp, managing editor, digital at Sports Business Daily and Journal. Austin, of course, was part of the uh, very, very popular roundtable that I did a couple of, uh, maybe at this point, months ago, just on why viewership, sports viewership had dropped. Um, that podcast did much better than I expected, so I appreciate Austin as well. John and Austin, welcome back to the Sports Media Podcast. Great to be here, man. Thanks for having us. All right, I'm going to try to direct it, uh, direct questions to each of you um, so that you don't talk over each other, but you are certainly welcome to uh, to follow up on each other. I'm going to start with you, John. Um this is a Super Bowl viewership only podcast, no other topics. Um, and so as we tape this, the numbers are in uh, from CBS. The game drew a nine. Uh, let, me, let me sort of start again here. The game drew 91.6 million viewers TV only on CBS. When you include all the platforms, it rises to 96.4 million viewers. In terms of the overall viewership, John, that's the lowest since Super Bowl 41 on CBS. Uh, in terms of the rating, John and Austin, it is the lowest rated game since Super Bowl 3 on NBC. That goes back to 1969. So here's, John, where I want to start with you, and we'll open it up here. What was your expectation for this game? And then what was your reaction when you saw the numbers based on what you had expected? You know, Richard, I think I had uh, what I thought was the most pessimistic um, uh, prediction going going into the game. And I had I had it coming in uh, around 95 million, I, I, I think, for, for uh, TV only. And um, and. It, it came in much lower than that, which 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 surprised me. You know the the the, the CBS number. Uh, I I, I uh, h- however, I did think going in that the Super Bowl is such a unique event in in America. It's it's a it's a big event and it's the, the biggest event on TV, and this just had no big event feel to it. Uh, there there was no there was no Super Bowl week. Uh, whatsoever to to think of, like uh, you, you usually have ESPN and Fox broadcasting wall to wall from from uh, from from the host city. You get the network news anchors going down there and and hosting from down there. 
Uh, and th there was nothing like that this year, of course. Um, the stadium itself, you know, was a third full. You know, they, they, usually when you know the teams come out in a Super Bowl stadium, that you can hear the crowd, and you couldn't hear that at all. Um, the nobody I know attended a Super Bowl party, you know, and and so you know th there there was nothing that forget about the casual fan. There was nothing that gets sort of the non-football fan to watch this game. To, to me, the game felt like the final game of the football season, as opposed to sort of, you know, a big American holiday. And I, I think, I think that that was uh, reflected in the ratings. What about you, Austin? No, I, I have to agree. If you think about the calendar, you know, after last year's Super Bowl is when, you know, COVID really started to pick up and things really got bad. This was just reflective of what we've seen over the last year. It was a, the coup de grace of just a muted sports scene, a, a muted audiences for large sporting events. And there was no reason to think that the Super Bowl wasn't going to be hit in some way. I was more optimistic than John was going in. I thought it was going to be closer to like 98 million viewers because I thought the NFL got the matchup, the, the best matchup it could have imagined in Tom Brady and Patrick Holmes. Patrick Mahomes, I thought that they would, you know, trade blows and you'd actually see a decent football game. But that game was over two hours before, you know, the, the last whistle. And people were, were tuning out right after halftime. And that, that probably killed the second half numbers and, and really made this number plummet. But just in terms of what John is talking about and this being a seminal event on the sports calendar, not just the sports calendar, the American calendar every year, there, there, there was so much less of that. And the football did not, it, it did not, the football on the field did not support it at all. And this was, it ended up being, you know, a, just a confluence of, of bad events here. So let me start. I'm going to stick with you, Austin. Um, I think what hey, a lot on, of people, Richard, before go you go ahead, on, I don't want to take yep. over, but what, what was your thought? What, what, what was your prediction going in and, and, and what was your take on that? Yeah. If I remember right, I thought my, if, cause, um, Douglas Pucci of uh, Programming Insider asked me for it, and I believe I predicted a shade over 100 million when um, all the numbers came in, including including streaming. So I was off. I mean, you know, the including streaming, we're still under 100 million. And like I'm sure both you and Austin, I thought the weather was going to impact viewership, so I thought more people would watch because of that. I thought the game was... Um, was a legacy game. It had the potential for being a game that had meaning far beyond this year, given Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. And I, there probably was a part of me guys that I thought, well, you know, I see the trends. I know everything in everything. Every jewel event is down this year, but the NFL has essentially been the one sport that's been fairly immune to that trend. So I thought that it would stick. I, I again, I didn't expect 115 million or anything crazy like that. Um, but I did think we would top a hundred million. So yeah, I was, am I, I, I wasn't stunned at seeing the final viewership number, but I was a little surprised. So I'll bring it back to you, Austin. You know, one of the things that obviously readers of, uh, the athletic and listeners to this podcast are going to want to know is, okay, so why did this happen? Um, and as you know, me, you and John, we're sort of the patron saint of this, you know, sports viewership is never one thing. It is multiple factors. So if I had to guess, and again, this is pure guessing on my part, you know, why is it down? So clearly the pandemic has shifted people's sports viewership consumption. Uh, I mean, you know, far and away, I think that's been proven. 
the non-competitive nature of the game. Like you said, Austin, the game was basically dead in the second half. One of the things I thought about was the lack of momentum provided from a scaled-down Super Bowl week. So you didn't have so much press where the casual sports fan maybe wants to tune in as opposed to the diehard football fan, which is um, which is there. So those were my three. I'm sure for individuals, they, you could have a million different reasons or factors why. For you, If you're going to do a little bit of a top-down analysis right now, wh- why do you think the number was where it was? The reasons you obviously just mentioned. Um, something I want to talk about unique to the Super Bowl is, and I, I, can't, I was discussing this with somebody, they're like, why wasn't the Super Bowl up? I mean, you, you think about all, you know, people weren't at parties, but everybody's home with nothing to do in the snow, and so you, you should have maybe had more people at home watching it. And, you know, I, I think about all these large gatherings that drive the, a, a lot of the numbers for Super Bowl, like, like it drives a Thanksgiving game where you have just more people in homes, you know. When you go to a Super Bowl party in particular, if it's at a say it's at a Nielsen measured home, there are, I mean, the ones that I've been to, so many people that don't watch NFL football normally. They're just there for the party. They're they're just there for the social aspect of the sporting event of the year. And there wasn't any of that. You know, there there were no big, there were no Super Bowl parties. You know, I I don't know anybody, you know, within my circle of people. You didn't see people posting any pictures about Super Party. That just didn't exist. So I think that drove home the large crowd gathering element of it and, you know, drove down the number of you know, homes using televisions because maybe they weren't hosting a party. I mean, people that don't watch the NFL maybe even host Super Bowl parties. That's how you know, big of an event it is. And there was just none of that. And I think that really hurt the number way more than I thought it would. Um, and like you said, there was, there was just it was more of a getting to the finish line. Uh, we made it than an excitement for the biggest football game of the year. What about you, John? Look, there are, uh, I think that between the three of us, we could probably come up with more than 20 reasons uh, why, why the ratings are down. I think that there's a non-competitive game. You know, I, I, I think that the, uh, you know, just uh, there, there was some fatigue. I do think as, as we've talked often uh, about, I think the, uh, politics on both sides, uh, people, the pro Kaepernick uh, people that, that are boycotting the NFL and anti-Kaepernick people that are boycotting the NFL now has had a slight uh, effect on it. Uh, but f- for me, the, the biggest reason that the numbers are down is, um, and, I, and this, this actually isn't a reason, but it tracks, it tracks pretty closely w- with what the NFL did during the regular season. Uh, regular season ratings were down uh, 7%. You know, and the Super Bowl was down a little bit, a little bit more than that. And if you view the NFL season as sort of like a TV series, this is a season in a, in a TV series. You know, you don't have that marketing up. You don't have people getting invested during the regular season or during the playoffs to see how the the the, the cliffhanger to see how the the show ends. They're not invested in in tuning into the Super Bowl, and I think that that ultimately plays a real a really really big part in what the final number is. So let me, Austin, let me go back to you because this is kind of, John brought up something here and I think that's a really fair point to make. Um, you in particular, obviously, because you marinate in, in sports viewership every single day. I mean, John and I do. Love that term. Love marinating. John and I do on a weekly basis, but you really do on a daily basis. Um, within the broader context of sports viewership this year, um, we have seen jewel events drop precipitously. Stanley Cup final down 61%. 
Kentucky Derby down 49% of viewership. Final round of the Masters down 49%. College football's national championship game, worst number since the formation of the BCS in 1999. NBA Finals, uh, record low in viewership. World Series, I think, hit an all-time low. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. So within that broader context, the Super Bowl is down, I think it's 9%. You can correct me if my math is wrong. There is an argument to make, Austin, and then, John, I want you to follow him. There's an argument to make, Austin, but that the decline by the NFL is kind of incredible in that it's low compared to everyone else. So while all of us are going to make, you know, and understandably so, like sort of write about the d- decline and, oh, my God, look at, you know, look at this number. It's not close to 100 million. Like there is a larger argument to make, like the- these guys actually held up compared to every single other mega sporting event in the in you know since covid has hit you know when john and i looked at the end of the regular season numbers like the people that john talked to and i'll let him expound on this they were ecstatic executives from the league and the networks like get being down seven percent considering what they saw from their competitors with the shift that they had to put up with in 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 the in the calendar yeah being only down seven percent or nine percent amid everything that's going on amid the continued drop for any sort of broadcast TV programming. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, I, I, I don't think that they're going to lose sleep over this at all, but what you had mentioned with all of these, with so many of these other leagues, whether, you know, particularly the Kentucky Derby and the NBA finals and the masters and the Stanley cup, just that was such a unique thing where they had to shift their final to a, a time of year that people aren't watching that sport normally and then do it all at once and all together where there's just so much time you could spend watching sports, seeing those drop so much from where they were last year. Yeah. Okay. You can compare it, but it, like you have, it, it is, it is an apples and oranges comparison to be quite honest. Now the college football championship. Yeah. That got its normal spot. The Super Bowl got its normal spot and the world series generally got its, its normal spot, but had increased competition. Uh, college football in particular with that title game, it was like a little, you know, all right, we got Alabama again. So there was kind of that factor. But the other sports, I, I, I want to see how they're going to do, not just this year, maybe even the year after. I'm looking at maybe even 2022. Before yep. I, I kind of judge where they all sit in the you know viewership ecosphere. Yeah, that's a point that I, I really want to emphasize because I, I, I think it's, it's hugely important. Yeah, the NBA Finals... Uh, posted its lowest. It was it was down significantly. I don't have the number right in front of me, but what what, what was it yeah. like? 50%? Over fifty yeah. percent, if I remember, Austin. Right? It was. They were like three of the four least watched NBA Finals games ever. Like it was. But, right. But, you know, of course they were. They went from from June, where they're the only thing. They're going up against a couple of regular season baseball games to. Uh, to all of a sudden they're in, in October and they're going up against, you know, the uh, college football, the NFL, you know, the, uh, horse racing, uh, 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 the, the big horse races, uh, golf majors. They're going up against everything there. And so they, they, to, to compare this to, to last year or previous years, this was just such an anomaly. But the, the, I think the, the takeaway that I'm getting from this is, uh, you know, they, they moved all these sports to the fall. 
And so they're all competing against the NFL. And and I think that you know, the NFL being down 7%, certainly a lot of that went to the NBA and a lot of that went to the, the NHL and a lot of that went to a lot of the other sports that, that moved into the calendar, not to mention the election that we haven't brought, brought up either. But to me, that shows the strength of the NFL vis-a-vis every single other sport in, in, in America, which we already knew, but now we just see it right? because the going up against the NFL, the NFL hurt those sports so much more than those sports hurt the NFL. And, and having the NFL show, uh, show that it was only down 7% in regular season against all that competition from other sports and from politics is, uh, you know, uh, really, in my mind, just a phenomenal number. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Austin, um, what do you make of the um, the streaming number, 5.7 million? That's a record for the Super Bowl. I, I would think, you know, sort of in the course of our lifetime, that number continues to go up. They'll probably set new records every year. But just like that number sort of in a silo, what, what do you make of 5.7 million for the streaming number? I think it's incredible. I, I was – I. Th- you knew it's going to set a record because every event that streams for sports sets a new streaming record. It's very rare that you don't see it just because of the way that consumption patterns are going. But I thought it'd be closer to 4 million to, to, to hit 5.7 million is in, is incredible. That's such a big number. Is it a number that's going to make the NFL be like, wow, we need to take one of our packages off of broadcast TV and put it on streaming. No, not even close. We're still not even close. I don't think we're anywhere close to, to doing one of the big packages your Sundays, your Monday night football, Sunday night football, you know, as a streaming only thing, but it's indicative of where we're going. That number is only going to continue to, to grow. And the NFL is going to be able to experiment like John has reported on maybe with some Thursday packages and see what they can do with streaming there. But it, I think very, very bright for the NFL's future there. Yeah, I'm going to push back on Austin real quick here. Uh, Thursday, is, Thursday is a pretty significant package. Uh, and, and, and they're, they're looking at, uh, taking that straight to Amazon and, and streaming. And I think one of the takeaways, the thing I love, I love the streaming number. I love that CBS uh, uh, started with the hats off to Jen Sabatel, starting with uh, putting the streaming Name number. Drop. I think that was in the second paragraph, uh, Richard. I, I can guarantee you next year, it's going to, NBC is going to set a new record with streaming and the following year, uh, uh, whoever has it the following year is going to set a, a, a new record that, then as well. But um, yeah, the, the, my takeaway on that is there, there's still a lot of angst inside the league office over whether these uh, streaming platforms can handle the type of audience that sits down and watches an, an NFL game. And so 5.7 million would be one of the least viewed NFL games of the season. You know, so it's a nice big number. But what what would those streaming numbers look like if it's actually like 15 million or 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 20 million or 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 even 10 million? What, uh, you know, that that that, uh, tune in to watch will technically they be able to handle it and people won't have problems with lags and 
and different things. And that's still the big question I think that everybody has. It becomes pronounced. Like we, we wrote so much about how better betters just had issues with their with their platforms. And you can imagine how pissed off they're going to be if they had a streaming issue on top of it. I mean, because it, it, that could be a bad formula if the betters really get on their, uh, their soapboxes and start complaining about that sort of thing. By the way, guys, has, has have CBS and Nielsen released that press release on the viewership numbers yet? Is that is that out yet? Do have we gotten that, or is there still a delay on that? On the Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. Me, I'm, me, I'm, 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 mock, I'm mocking yeah, the, check my the inbox. <laughs> yeah, I'm mocking the length of right time right that it took. I need to make one more point. Uh, Austin is like a, an A one uh, podcast guest. He, he's used the phrase coup de gras and pissed off within the same podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm just like in awe, Austin. No cursing yet by Austin. i the degrees right now. I, I got Windex. Georgia, Georgia Tech represent. I love it. Nice. <laughs> All right. So conversely, John, I'm going to stick with you here. We talked about the streaming number, and obviously it's a good number. It's only going to get bigger. And, uh, you know, and that's an important number if, uh, if the NFL ultimately invests in a, an Amazon-type player to – to, to put an exclusive package on streaming. Sports Media Watch, our buddy John Lewis, had a really telling 18-49 to 49 chart to me. This year's Super Bowl drew 34.3 million viewers for 18-49. of 49. You want to hear this? That number was 50.2 million in 2013, eight years ago, and 43 million in 2018, three years ago. In the span of eight years, that number... Um, dropped again, at least based on this uh, Super Bowl, around 16 million viewers lost 18 to 49. John, what is what, if anything, does that tell you? Uh, it tells me that the uh, that the leagues, uh, this isn't an NFL problem, and and uh, that having 33 million watch watch that uh, watch the NFL yes. on TV, incredible, is an incredible number because that that demo. They're not watching television. And that demo is not sitting down and watching a three-hour or a two-hour sporting event. That's not how they consume sports. And every single league out there is trying to figure out how to how to create uh, – how to get that people within that demo – and and make them uh be, make them become fans. I mean, you go to any college campus now. What are college football games? They're like four hours long. Like you see these schools doing whatever they can to try to get people the, the, their students to come in at the beginning of the game and stay to the end of the game. And it almost n- never works. It certainly doesn't work at a you know at, at Maryland where I where, where I go out uh, to, to watch them because it's you know bad Wi-Fi reception. And they're just they 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 don't stay anywhere for four hours to, to watch a game. But that's a that that is something that all of the leagues are maniacally trying to figure out uh, right now. Austin, no, I, I got to agree. That's a sports issue with with the lower numbers in that particular age group. And you know the NFL got a lot of props for what they did in the wild card round with that Nickelodeon game and the slime zone. You got to get your brand in front of, you know, kids. You can build up so that eventually that 18 to 49 audience grows. They got to, you know, get their branding out in more flag football leagues because, you know, if you continue to watch the participation rates of tackle football, that's going down. So where else can you grow your brand amongst, among the, the youth of this country? 
And it's something that every league is looking to. How, how do they get to those younger audiences? You got to, for football in particular, you got to start, you know, you got to start young. I mean, I tell this story all the time, Richard, but uh, like I, I watch, uh, uh, you know, Wizards games with my son and I'm watching the Wizards games on NBC Sports Washington. And he, he's not, not even watching the screen. He's following it on social and c- coming up with clips about like two or three minutes after I've, I've seen them live. Like that's how he consumes. I think that's how people of that generation consume sports now. And it's a it, it's it's not a problem, but it's it, it's something that they're trying to figure out, certainly. Yeah, well said on that. All right, here's the last one, and um, uh, I'll go to you, Austin, and then John can finish us up. Um, you know, one of the one of the things, and we've hit on this uh, a little bit in this podcast. Arguably, the biggest the biggest reason for declines um, is the shift of count. You know, maybe not the biggest. I, I take that back. I should be specific. One of, in my opinion, one of the biggest reasons for the decline in sports viewership this year is the shifting calendar. Um, and Austin, you hit on this and John, you hit on this, that just, you know, you have a final that takes place at a calendar that you're not a calendar time that you're not used to. It just, it throws your entire consumption off. You know, the Kentucky Derby this year wasn't in the first week of May. I mean, that's just crazy to think about, but that's the reality. So I think to myself, even understanding that, that consumption is, probably inevitably going to be changed with COVID and, and there'll be people who probably are not diehard as diehard sports fans after knock on wood after COVID as they were before. I do think that in a post COVID universe, if the calendar gets back to some kind of normalized place for the Super Bowl, I could see it being over a hundred million again. I'm not going to predict it's going to be 115, but I do think like if we get normalcy throughout the whole sports calendar, I think we could see many of these jewel events go back up significantly. Um, I'll start with you, Austin. What's your thought on that? And you sort of hit on this a little bit that like, you know, maybe we got to get to 2022, 2023 to really get a sense of, 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 of what the last 12 months has meant. I do. I don't think you're going to see the return to it this year. I, I, I kind of want to think of the analogy of like a train that has stopped. Okay. We're gonna, we got to get the train going again, and it, you, you don't just go, this isn't a Ferrari. We're not going to zero to 60 you know, right immediately. It's going to take some time. we got to build the momentum before we get to full speed again and get back on track. So I don't think that's going to happen until we get some sense of normalcy again in our regular lives, which may not happen until 2022. So that, that's what I'm looking forward to. I, I want to see a normal calendar. I want to see a year over year comparisons with normal calendars, but people that some of the people that are like, Oh, you know, that sports audience is, is never going to return. They don't have an answer for where's it going. Like, you know, it's not, you're not going to be on Netflix all the time. You do kind of want to mix it up a little bit. Netflix doesn't have, you know, live sports. If you want to watch a live competitive event, that's a human nature thing. We have humans as always, we've always wanted to watch, you know, competition, and that's what sports is right now. And it, it will continue to deliver that. Richard, you alluded to it. Like, yes, I think we will eventually get back over that 100 million mark. It also has to do with how we are measuring and, you know, what is included in that number. We are now more accurate than we were in the past. We can more accurately measure who is streaming it and who is maybe watching it out of home in that bar, that restaurant, that airport, that vacation home, that college dorm. And once we're able to aggregate all that audience, we'll really show the power 
of sports and that people really do congregate around these events to watch. What about you, John? Last word. You know, will we get over uh, 100 million for the Super Bowl again? You know, it, it, it might happen, but I am way more pessimistic than Austin is. I think we we have seen trends in the media industry before the pandemic of cord cutting. We've seen trends before the pandemic of ratings and, and viewership not, not holding up as, as well as they used to. Uh, we saw during the pandemic that, uh, you know, to, uh, when there was a, that period where we had no sports, casual fans figured out how to entertain themselves without sports. And it's it's more than going to Netflix, which is huge, but there's also Netflix and Peacock and HBO Max, and there's a ton of video options, but there's also a book. There's also, you know, uh, going and hanging out with, with, with other people. They're, they've, they've uh, you know, I, I think that uh, what we talked about beforehand too is younger people are going to consume sports differently, and so like uh, like you know how are the networks go- going to ha- going to handle this? I think that you you can take a look at what Disney is doing with ESPN Plus and how they're pushing that out. You know, a, a, a sort of a, a streaming service. Um, I think that you can look at what NBC did in terms of closing down NBCSN and 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 launching Peacock. They're trying to to arrest that, but to ignore the trends that were happening before the pandemic and just think like it's going to come back after the pandemic, everybody's going to come back is I think fanciful. And, you know, you may see some bumps here or there, you know, where we get over a hundred million, but I, you know, I'm betting on those trend lines that were happening beforehand. All right. Leave it to John Oran to end this podcast on such an uplifting note. (laughs) John Oran is the sports business daily media writer. Follow his work, follow him on Twitter. Austin Carp, the managing editor slash digital at Sports Business Journal and Daily. Uh, guys, thanks for coming on um, today in uh, what's a bit of an emergency podcast for us. Um, I find this topic really, really interesting, and uh, and we'll check. I'll check back with you guys. You know, on the, I'm sure both of you will be on the podcast uh, uh, before then, but we'll do one of these maybe six months or eight months from now to see uh, to see if we've gotten any movement uh, in. Um, in in viewership if we're depending on where we are in the covid universe thanks so much today for joining me on the sports media podcast you got it man all right back in the studio my thanks to john orand and austin carp for coming on uh in a uh in a quick manner so that we could get a podcast up to you guys on sports uh on super bowl viewership which i think obviously is really really interesting particularly given the low numbers this year a lot of people are trying to figure out the whys on that uh, head to the archives. If you like this kind of stuff, please leave us a five-star review and, uh, and some nice words. That's how the podcast continues. Prior to John and Austin, we had Chelsea Janes of the Washington Post. She uh, She's now a national baseball writer there, but has she's had a fascinating transition from covering the Nationals to covering uh, the U.S. presidential election to now back covering as a national baseball writer. And also my colleague from Sportsnet, Donovan Bennett, uh, just on the nexus of COVID-19 and sports coverage, as well as um, his new initiative on uh, uh, for uh, getting BIPOC uh, young journalists uh, some more exposure. So Donovan's doing some great work on that. Uh, prior to those guys, uh, John Orant, uh, for some uh, discussion about NBCSN shuttering their network at the end of the year. Before that, Rhiannon Walker and Britt Giroli of The Athletic on the Jared Porter story before that broadcaster Noah Eagle on calling the Nickelodeon game and then just head back to uh, 
all the different archives, and, uh, and hopefully you'll find some stuff that you like. Let me thank everybody at Caves 13 from Chris Corcoran and John McDermott, Spencer Brown for their support. Thank you, of course, to Patrick and Sean, as always. And thank you, the audience, for listening. This is Richard Deitch. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast.